everybody, and welcome to the Macaw Podcast Universe. It's the podcast that exists to prove people wrong when they say... The sequels are never better than the originals. <laughs> and right now... <laughs> well, and who you just heard uh, laughing there was our guest for the day, which is Seth Decker from the Film Rescue Show and many other podcasts. Many others. Uh, yes, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Um, we so to for the listener if if you don't know i think in april i was on an episode of your show where we attempted to fix it chapter 2 mhm and i think we were rather successful um but i don't know what i don't know what your fans said or if they even said anything about it i never uh, got a follow up it it was good feedback i i apologize i should have I, I always forget that like after a month or so i need to check back in and say hey so your your episode did well <laughs> but now you're finding out live on air hey your episode did well lots of good That's feedback good. Um, a lot of uh, mostly just you know yeah just do it like the book dummies like we have like five <laughs> five or six different uh, insert here kind of comments that we get on everything that we just kind of yep we understand we'll just filter those out because everybody's gonna say that we get it but yeah right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay good and that w I was not trying to pressure you into a statement I just I just was wondering if anything had occurred you know sure um, you know. But yeah, so we were on that, and then afterward, I had a really fun time. It was a, I think it was a gr really fun and good episode. And then it was like, okay, we got to have Seth on. And I sent you our list of the next like six months, mm -hmm. and you happened to choose <laughs> the one that was the furthest away. Pro probably on purpose, just because I know I have to plan my my year in like three or four month chunks, and I knew that in that timing. Uh, it, even if it got pushed back, it would be after I had shot my short film. So yeah, that was a little bit on purpose cool. on my end. Yeah, and uh, and I'm glad you're here because yeah. um, you I remember so Jordan and I had only seen well I had, I saw Insidious for the first time for uh, the podcast for the podcast, but Jordan had seen it and she mm -hmm. was like, we should do this series for October. This will be great. And when I had sent you the list, you said, "Ooh, I want to do either Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom." Or this, and when you had said this one, you said it's it's really kind of an interesting sequel. So the whole time I kind of had my expectation pretty high, mm. and I would say I think the movie lived up to it. I thought this movie kind of ruled. Yeah, he told me I think it was you said something about it, something positive, and I was like, okay, my expectations are getting higher. The movie <laughs> better be good. So you're saying I did not oversell it? Is is you what did you're not? <laughs> no, and usually. For me, when it comes to specifically horror franchises, they can only get worse right. a lot of the times. So it is so such a breath of fresh air to watch the second one and be like, that was really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and, you know, another funny thing is that I guessed it on a chapter two and you're guessing on a chapter two. So we're finishing the chapter two of verse on our podcast. Time is a flat circle. Everything Great. lines up eventually. <laughs> so... Before we dive in, um, I would love it. So this was my first time watching the movie. It was Jordan's first time watching the movie. But can you tell us about your experience with this movie? Absolutely. So this is the... I want to I want to make sure I qualify this correctly. The best movie with the worst theater experience I think I've ever had in my life. I love hearing about bad theater <laughs> yeah. experiences. So I come from a, a very small town with one movie theater. And so Friday night is the night that just truckloads of teens are dumped off at the mall. 
and end up in the movie theater eventually. And I think I was, um, when did this come out? Uh, 2013? So I yeah, 2013. I was, yeah, I would have been in college at that point and went out with a few of my friends. The movie theater was packed out. So we were down in like the front three rows and all the kids were like in the back two rows as kids do. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And I kid you not, anything that happened that was even remotely exciting, exhilarating, scary, everything got a full 10 second scream. I'm talking Whoa. I'm talking the, the the baby chair going off. Oh my god, you might as well like you weren't going to hear the movie for the next 30 seconds. And it got to the well, po- it got to the point that all the like the middle the middle of the theater were like standing up literally throwing things back at the kids, telling them to shut up. It almost went to all out war in the theater to the point that as soon as this came out on DVD, I was like, I have to rent it because I need to, I missed so much of this movie. I need to know what happened. And pleasantly surprised, it was a great film. That's wild. (laughs) I feel like horror can produce some of the worst experiences in theaters. I, Mm-hmm. I mean, when we saw it in theaters, it was uh, terrible. Have late we talked pe- about that on this podcast? I mean, probably. But when we saw it, these ladies were near. They were, oh, no, the whole movie's going on. This lady turns her friend is like, that actually doesn't happen in the book. This is what happens in the book the whole time. Oh. And then there's no, a. No, it wasn't even the book, though. She was comparing oh, no, it to, to like, the, the TV movie. To the TV movie. That's what she was comparing it to. Of it. And I was like, I don't care. Yeah. I don't. Shut up, lady. And then <laughs> far down, there was a child obviously terrified and like a child too young to see that movie oh, or yeah. crying trying to leave and we just were sure that their sibling uh dragged it was definitely a brother an older brother that like was pranking his son and scarring him for life oh my god yeah and i i just know that like when we saw it comes at night pretty bad theater experience oh, yeah because of teenagers <laughs> just all they wanted was blood and guts and that's not what they got they didn't get enough right yeah just it can be the worst sometimes. Hereditary was pretty good. I like that theater experience. That was a good because everyone experience. was laughing nervously. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I saw that one like at a matinee with uh, my other host Devin, and it was just like you know the the like the old people crowd that comes out to movies in the middle of the afternoon. Yes. It was all them. <laughs> yes. So it, it was a pretty pretty toned down experience. I got to really uh, absorb everything for Hereditary. Good. That's good. That's what needs to happen with that movie. <laughs> right. I know with, with like. A horror movie seeing them in theaters it's kind of funny because i don't i think the shared experience is fun because there's all this laughter and like everybody gets scared and there's people pretending they're not scared and that's all yeah. fun yeah and i'm happy that that happens with horror movies but i personally don't want to experience that right <laughs> yeah i would rather just watch it like quietly and maybe a couple of jumps, a couple of screams. But I like that there is a culture that is that culture. And it's fun. And it's fun, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I, I just like personally, it, it drives me up the wall. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's we, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast, how like comedy and horror mo- movies, they like produce a physical reaction from you that you cannot control. Right. Yeah. And that's why they are so fun to see with people. Cause when you're all like the movie took over and either made me so scared that I couldn't help scream or so funny that I couldn't help but laugh. Like you have this shared communal experience. That's it's kind of beautiful. Yeah. yeah. But I had, um, I had to re-examine yeah. a lot of the film, the comedies specifically of the 2010s that I saw in theaters and I thought were hilarious, only to find out it was just because everyone was laughing and the movie itself wasn't yeah. really that great. 
Yep. Sure. Do you have a, an example of one of those? Oh man, I, I'm I'm thinking specifically of a Will Ferrell movie, but I can't remember yeah. the title <laughs> off the top of my head. Um, I, I, I you'll have to uh, if I think of it, I'll shout it out later, and it'll be totally oh, yeah. dis- disjointed and pay off for you listening to the beginning of the episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, um, have you have you seen all four of the Insidious movies? I I've seen three. I have not seen what is it? Keys? Something about the keys? last key? Yeah, I have not seen that one. Uh, mo- okay. Mo- mostly because it, that was the one where the so the. Not to get into production too early, but this is about as stacked as you can get for a horror movie as far as sure. behind and in front of the camera. And mm-hmm. even in the third one, like Leigh Winnell stuck around to direct. And uh, so I was very excited for three. And then four was like, yeah, almost no one is around anymore. And at that point, I was kind of. Oh, yeah. I may still. Yeah, that makes I, sense. I may still watch it someday. Have you guys seen it? No. Okay. Not yet. But we will. And the audience will hear us talk about chapter three next week and chapter four the week after that. Yeah, I. So with Lee Winnell, I. So we saw Upgrade when it came out in theaters. Yes. Yeah. Loved it. And then. That movie rips so hard. Just so wonderful. <laughs> and then kind of learning who this guy is. He. I don't know if you listen to King Cast, but it's a podcast about Stephen King books and movies. Mm-hmm. And he guessed it on an episode and it's like this guy's so cool and then i found out he directed the invisible woman which previously oh sorry the invisible man there's a woman as the main character that's what i was thinking of but when i found out he directed it i was like okay i guess i gotta see that movie because upgrade's so good and then finding out that he directed the third one it's like dang it my expectations are getting high again yeah and i don't know if they should Maybe we should watch Invisible Man tonight since it's on HBO. We have we haven't seen it. Have you seen it? I have and it is uh fantastic i have nothing bad oh, wow. to say about that movie wow man only good things about it and i was just so like couldn't care less about seeing that movie because we mike and i've talked we just the trailer gave everything away Ye- or at us. least it no. seemed like it oh did. no yeah. oh no <laughs> <laughs> cool that's good that, i love that yeah let's let's we should watch it tonight okay i'm ready I've been I've been feeling the season this year. Yeah. I've been wanting to watch those horror movies a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's because life is horror right now, <laughs> like everywhere else. It just feels good. Th- yeah. There is some release in there for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> but um let's jump into the production on this movie. Sure. Um there there is not as much as I like to gather. I couldn't find like featurettes on the movie. There was just like B roll yeah. um, mm. shots, but we have basically the same same group of people that worked on the first movie working on this movie so yep. uh, it's directed by james wan again written by james wan and lee winnell music by joseph bashara also known as the lipstick demon in the first movie mm-hmm. okay so cinematography is john r leonetti who we covered last week as well and then if you remember uh the last movie insidious one i believe the budget was 1.5 million mm-hmm. yes and they did upgrade this one does anyone want to take a stab at it? If they, if you know, don't say. But if you don't know, I I think they got a lot more money to do it. But I could, I am prepared to be wrong about that. Okay, because it was a massive success, the first one. Yeah, so this is like they're ready to go. Yeah. But do, do you have any guesses on what the budget of this might have been, Seth? Uh, if I didn't have it right in front of me right now, I would, ah. I would guess. <laughs> this sounds like a fun game, but I can't play this time. yeah so the budget is five million do you confirm that yes yep that's it (laughs) yeah that's it i love that yeah keep i mean like we talked about last week that's the jason bloom blum blum touch yeah is that 
small budgets, and then you have these huge successes, and then you can make these franchises, and you just keep the budgets low. Love it. I mean, I again, I, I because this is the Macaw Podcast universe, and we get our namesake from MCU, the MPU, the <laughs> Marvel Cinematic Universe. I always compare things to that, and it's like I do like the MCU a lot. It's fun. Some of the movies I don't like that much. You know, listener. But um, it would be cool if Kevin Feige was like, you know what? Let's do something like that. Mm-hmm. For, for like, like get, just do a few low-budget movies for some other characters that maybe are lesser known. Or, or even a... I would, I would love to see a $10 million Spider-Man movie where they have to like really strip it down to bare bones. You right. know? Mm-hmm. I, I think that would be cool. I would really love that. Yeah. <laughs> but I like that. At movies. least someone's doing the low budget thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, like for every for every you know five stinkers they get, they get something like this. And I think yep. like total these movies are pushing like 500 million dollars in gross on like less than 20 million dollars in budget for all four. Like that's insane. That's insane. It it's just like a no-brainer when you look at the math. Mhm. Because then, I mean, I know a lot of people have talked about, too, with movies like Marvel, so big franchise movies, and they only get more expensive, which means they only can, they, they have to continue making more and more and more money right. to right. where it's, like, just oversaturating. Mm-hmm. Totally. Well, it's, it's, it's exhausting. Like, like if, if, say, Black Widow, whenever that comes out, say that that is not a huge success, like, if that movie grosses under pretty much, like, $800 million, they're going to be like, well, that was a total failure. Yeah. And it's like, what? That's <laughs> that is a success, you know. I'm, I guess, I'm judging something that hasn't happened yet. Sure, <laughs> but yeah, you know, you know, it's like the it's like the solo thing where that movie was in the top ten of that year, and they wrote it off as like a failure. Yeah, box office wise. Well, the, the re- they did reshoot it, so that there's that. But the, the reason for for all of this though is uh disney marvel studios all of that that's that's like their tax write-off area so basically they're around to make theme parks and sell merchandise that's what disney does yep and so if they have an 800 million dollar flop in air quotes they just get to write that off at the end of the year (laughs) and then if they have a you know two billion dollar grossing Avengers movie, they don't even care about that two billion, which sounds weird to say, but they don't even care about that. They care about the four billion in merchandising they're going to get afterwards. Yeah, with all yeah. the stuff they get to do with that, and it it becomes this this thing where like they're not even taking calculated risks anymore. There is no risk. They write it off at the end of the year. Oh well, oh well, we pay less in taxes. What a pity. Whereas Blumhouse is like, we can't take risks. Let's make cheap movies yeah. and see which ones do good. Yeah, I, I and 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 taking all that into account, I am surprised that more studios after after watch like I, I, I'm not the most I don't know all the horror movies. I'm not the most horror guy, but I feel like I'm getting getting my feet wet a little bit more. Sure. And I'm surprised that there aren't more people that are like doing this with different genres or different ideas and and trying to make studios like Blumhouse and make that work in other avenues i know in on a on a recent episode of blank check they talked about like they we need someone who is willing to do that with comedies yeah Yeah. to save the genre because now it's just straight to netflix and the genre is basically dead at this point Mm. right 
And it's like, we need someone who's like $10 million, not 150 and we also have to make it an action movie at the same time or something like that. It's right. like, $10 million, make a funny movie, hire funny people, and let's make $20 million and be happy with that. Exactly. I love to, that's some of my favorite parts about all of this, though, because that's the industry stuff, you know, oh, it's, yeah. it's crazy. The, the, um, the money ball scene, uh, like I know not a lot of people <laughs> yeah. like that movie, but that's like anytime you get into the back end of stuff, I'm like, oh, yes, I want to know more about this. This is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> that movie rules, though. If anyone doesn't like that, that's a little wild to me. It, it's it uh, it's not for everyone. It's long. It's It's got a lot of stuff in it that a lot of people don't care about but the stuff that's in it i care about so it's yeah it's dear to my heart that's like the the revive that's like the rebranding of um jonah hill yeah it starts from that movie oh yeah where he yep. starts doing the more dramatic stuff yeah and we love standing on that hill i'll tell you what yep and there's no guardians of the galaxy without Moneyball. uh oh yeah yeah because that would be well take well actually walk us through that actually i'm i was I was trying to figure it out, and then I realized I didn't have you figured out. So uh, Chris Pratt plays one of the rookie uh, pitchers in Moneyball, and so he lost right. a, a bunch of weight from Parks and Rec to do that one, and then got all this like like low key critical buzz underneath. I don't know if you guys watch BoJack Horseman, but whenever they're yeah. When, they're, oh, yeah. when the agents are trying to pitch people, it's always like, oh, they did this little thing in this big movie, and it makes it more important. So then because of that. Uh, he got on James Gunn's radar and James Gunn came back to him and was like, hey, could you do that weight loss thing again and be a superhero for me? Because you already proved that you did it for this movie, so now he's in Guardians because they were going to go a totally different way with Star-Lord at that point and it wouldn't be Guardians without Chris Pratt, if you ask me, so. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's like perfect wow. casting for me on that one. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's crazy. We, yeah, we love, I mean, Guardians 2, I mean, well, I don't know what you think, because I know there are people who don't think this, but. Talking to me? Guardians 2. No, I'm Guardians, talking to Seth. Oh, Guardians 2 is Guardians God tier, and then Guardians 1 is like A+. plus. You said God tier for Guardians 2. Yes, 2 is God tier. Okay, We're great. good because company. <laughs> I think that's arguably the best of all the Marvels, if not the best. If if any of my Film Rescue listeners are listening to this, you can turn <laughs> your ears off for a second because I say it on this show, all, all on my show all the time. I love movies where characters take a minute to sit down and talk because that, yeah. that's how you get characterization. I just, I, nothing needs to happen in the scene, just them talking as their characters. And Guardians 2 is a movie of characters characterizing and then great action beats. And like, perfect. A plus. Yeah, yeah just exactly my kind okay. of movie. <laughs> cool. That, <laughs> yeah, that one, I, some people really don't like it. And I, I genuinely can't even like... You know, sometimes when someone doesn't like a movie, you're like, okay, I kind of see what you're saying. Sure. I cannot figure that out unless they just don't like those types of movies. Then I'm like, yeah, I get it. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah. I mean, ending on that Cat Stevens song with Ugh. Rocket crying, come on. Perfect. Come on. Forget about it. <laughs> but we need to talk about uh, Insidious. I almost said Inception, but... <laughs> <laughs> Although the plot of this movie is a little like Inception and what it does as yeah, a sequel. It is. True. And I well, I, I want to get to that when we get to that. But sure. the thing that they do is is I feel like people don't talk about that. And they should. Mm -hmm. That's a cool thing. But we're gonna get to it. Yes. So the box office for this movie, domestically, it makes 83.5 million. And worldwide it makes 161.9 million. That's awesome. Out of Huge. the park. 
Comes out September 13th, 2013. It's a 25-day shoot, so they're sticking to those low, low shooting schedules. And then um, Bloom wanted to do a sequel. Yeah. And so he approaches Juan and Winnell, like, pretty much immediately after the movie comes out. Oh, yeah. And he's like, let's do a sequel. And they, they were kind of a little lukewarm. They're trying to, you know, they want to figure it out. And and he was willing to wait until they had an idea. Yep. Until they were ready right. to do it. Yeah. So he, he waited. And that's why, because I think the first movie came out in 2010. And then he made Conjuring. And then he made this movie. Okay. Yeah. So it was like he, th- he let him do his thing. And I, yeah, I'm sure when he was working on Conjuring... I'm because I think that's Bloom as well. I'm sure he was like, "Yeah, that's fine." Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Keep making me money. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so that's actually all the notes I have. Wow, very yeah. short. I was. Um, I don't I was have bummed. much either, <laughs> um, because it's mostly the same cast, um, with the exception of uh, so Tom Fitzpatrick plays Bryden Black. Um, he is also in Insidious Three. Um, he's in Date Movie. Uh, he's in Modern Family, and then a lot of other obscure horror stuff. He's in Modern seen. Family. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, and then Danielle Basuti plays the mom, like the in the white dress. Mm. Um, not mom from Umbrella Academy, like I thought, <laughs> which is okay. It, they look a lot alike. If they you look do. Them up. It's kind of yeah. crazy. Um, she is in um ton of stuff too. She's in God of War. Um. Curse of Chucky. Let's see. Green light. The she's in the Lego movie video game. Wait. <laughs> what? Lego movie video game? Oh yeah. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. It's Why just... wouldn't they do that? It was a success. Plus there are already Lego games. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm more I'm hung up on the title, but it, I don't know what else you'd do. It just feels like it'd just be the Lego game. Yeah. But um, I don't know. And yeah, and she's just in just so many TV shows. It's crazy. Your NCISs, your CSIs, <laughs> all of those. She uh, she was in some of the footage I was watching. And mm-hmm. and it's always just kind of funny when you have only seen someone in that performance. Yeah. And you know, she's pretty scary. She does a g- admirable job and everything. But then seeing her like, huh, okay, yeah, let's do that on this take. And like <laughs> totally normal. And you're yeah. like, oh yeah. Well, just imagine seeing the the like the lipstick demon do the same thing. If you had seen back <laughs> like behind the scenes stuff. Just like, oh yeah, can I get a water break <laughs> right. really quick? Um and then we also have Steve Coulter who plays Carl, the guy with the dice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um he is in a crap ton of stuff too. He is in the Watchmen TV show, Yellowstone, the show. He was in what who was he in Watchmen? Simmons, who I can't remember who that is right now. <sighs> but he's in that. Um, he's also in House of Cards, The Walking Dead, the that movie The Hunt, um, Just Mercy, Annabelle Comes Home. He's he's in several um wand stuff, also in The Purge. Oh, I I think he was like no. I'm just seeing one image of him from Watchmen, but it it's jogging my memory a little bit. But not enough for me to really make a conclusive sure. thought about him. He was great in this movie. Yeah, he was really good. So that's what I got. Cool. Angus Sampson. I don't know. Did, you guys didn't just call him out, right? I didn't miss anything. Well, we covered them in the first movie. Yeah, okay. that's okay. why I had to talk about him now. But yeah, yeah, no, yeah, he's great too. He's yeah. He, we love Angus. Yeah, he's been on. He popped up onto my radar because of a Netflix movie called The Mule, which 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Whoo! What a watch that is. <laughs> um, and then seeing him pop up in like the insidious, mo- insidious movies and Mad Max and that kind of stuff. He he he's on my radar as like someone that could really pop off someday if he's given something good. Um, yeah. yeah. He was in that. Um, oh, the guy from Burn Notice went on to do a a show about being a basically a con man that works with. Um, the Roma people in uh, in California, and Angus plays like the head of this big Roma family, and he's oh cool. I mean, just oh. fantastic in the role. He's frightening. He drowns a guy in his pool while his pool guy's cleaning it at one point, and, <laughs> oh. and he's like, like the pool guy stops stops cleaning. He's like, no, keep cleaning. Like just keep going. It is oh jeez. Oh, he plays a good villain. Let me tell you. Yeah. Yeah. I. I kind of like the zone he's in, though. Like, like I, it'd be cool to see him kind of get a bigger break and be a more household name. But I wouldn't mind if it's just every once in a while you're watching a movie, like once a year or so, and you're like, "Oh, Angus is in this one. Cool." And he's killed it again. I love that. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> I love the character actor zone when when a when a actor like fully embraces that. Yeah. You know, like I'm gonna be that side person. Like, yeah. Did, have you seen? Do you watch Fargo? Oh yeah. Because he's, he's in the in season second two. season. That's right. Um, I'm trying to think. And he's unbelievable. Season- he's, he's in that that family, like, that's the, I mean, they're like the mob. Yes. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was trying to think. Yeah, what what was season two about? I had to remember for a second. Because that's the one yeah. that ends with the uh, the UFO over the town at the end, randomly. Yep. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. And I, if I remember, I think he's, like, one of the, like... I don't know what the right word would be, but he might be the guy that uh, intimidates other people. Right. And, and wants more of a claim, a stake in the family stuff. Right. Yeah. That that character, which is always so interesting. Oh sure. Yeah. Um, but let's talk. Yes. About Insidious now. Kay. So the movie begins, and we're in 1986, and we are seeing, and you can pretty much piece it together right away that you're seeing Josh mm-hmm. Patrick Wilson's character as a young child, and you're seeing the medium from the first movie, and. Did you look up anything about the overdub thing? So I looked it up and I didn't find anything. Huh. And I am baffled by this decision. So in the movie, mm-hmm. the younger actress portraying the, the medium, Elise, from the first movie, she is her, her the, the <laughs> if I can explain this right, the older actress is doing the voice for the younger actress and the younger actress is, for lack of a better term, lip syncing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why did they think that that was a good idea? That is one of those things where I'm just like, who okayed that idea? Yeah. Because I get it from what like what she's wearing and everything. It totally makes sense. It's her. Right away, I thought that. Yeah, and I think, too, like this opening scene is a lot of um, jogging your memory on what happened in the last movie yeah. and also setting up this movie. So it is a lot of like... Re- reminding you who these characters are therefore i don't like need to remember what her voice sounded like <laughs> like i i just know by th- how the story is written who these people are it was it right. was just it's weird it's, it's a little jarring to hear barbara hershey speak through the mouth of who i assume is someone like in their late 20s or early 30s <laughs> yeah um and I, I think i didn't mind it at all with carl because his makeup was so good and he's such a a hairy dude that like it doesn't show through as much but there's specifically one where i think she rolls her eyes for like the the actress rolls her eyes in, yeah. in the action but then that doesn't really translate in the in the adr yes. that happens and i was like oh 
wait, this is a different person. That's where it clued me in initially because I didn't <laughs> yeah. I didn't notice at first. They do a lot of like shots from behind and on the side and try to yeah, hide it. They, for doing overdub, I have heard a lot worse oh, overdubbing. Yeah. So it is like. It, you know, it didn't rip me out of the movie completely, especially because it's in the opening. It, it, is just, it just makes you wonder, though. Well, I, I thought, because when it first happened, I was like, oh, I, for some reason, even though I'd only seen Insidious, and, and I, I actually have not seen much with that actress before, I was immediately... I think you have, you just don't know. Okay. She's in a lot. Um, but I was immediately like, oh, that's her. Yeah. And I thought, oh, this is kind of cool. They're, they're just using her voice. But I, I thought that they were never going to show us the face. Or or, ah. or the face when she was speaking. Because the first few shots, it's like, um, you know, her profile yeah. or she's turning while she's speaking. And I was like, okay, I can dig that. But th- then when she delivers, like, monologues, I was like, oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I guess if you want to chalk it up, this is a movie about your body being taken over by someone else. It's so. true. Wow. <laughs> really thematic. <laughs> They're really setting the table here. So, yeah, so this opening scene, it shows um, a younger Josh, a.k.a. Patrick Wilson's character, um, going through what they explained in the last movie, how there is basically a woman haunting him and that's conveyed through pictures that the mom has been taking. And it's a woman dressed in black. And they're trying to figure out what's going on, how to expel this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And there's there's weird stuff that... And this is... so. Uh, no no i'm gonna wait to say that but <laughs> i know exactly what you want to say <laughs> well it's it's okay i'll, I'll, I'll kind of say it. the the first movie one of the brilliant strokes in the movie is that you think it's a haunted house movie and then it flips to yeah. where it's a it's a possession movie but you didn't realize that unless like me the netflix uh description gave away that part of the movie oh, no. and i just pretended like i didn't know that the whole time yeah um but then this movie, it's cool because like at the beginning and then the stuff that you had seen in the first movie, you think, oh, that's like something very, very evil and bad. Oh, what, when like he is like when the doors open and stuff. Yeah, like when the doors open and like when the sun stands up or not the sun, when um, Josh. Josh stands up and he's like, I'll show you kind of randomly. And you're like, this is sort of weird, but he's obviously possessed by this woman. Mm. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. And he goes and he shows him and you're like. That's kind of weird, uh-huh. you know, normal, scary movie stuff. And then when you find out later that he's not doing that, it's like, wait, the stuff that was scary wasn't scary. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. That's a reason that this movie rules. Yep. <laughs> they further the whole, which I think we talked about in the first movie, a lot of the times in horror, sometimes it's better to not explain things or to explain everything, which they choose to do. Yeah. And it's great. Totally pays off. And they just continue to further that in this movie. And it just further continues to pay off. Totally. Great. And I'll let you know in, in three and four, it's new, it's new stories. So there's, we have seen the conclusion. We do know how this, this story ends. There's no way to like fold this a, a third time. Uh, good yeah. that's what i was nervous about no yeah and, and that's why i think i love this sequel so much is because it really it it not only does it point out that the first movie ends very abruptly like very yes. abruptly <laughs> yeah, yeah. almost as if they were they knew at some point they wanted to revisit and they left all these open doors for themselves to go back and visit so to me this feels like an extension of the first movie less than a sequel almost like it, it, yeah if someone yeah. told me they shot these back to back i would be i would just nod my head i would yep 
I believe yeah, you, totally. sir. <laughs> it, and it, it's it's sort of actually like these these two movies kind of feel like when you're reading a book, yeah. And then you are halfway through and you flip and it says part two and there's a blank page and then you flip it over, right? And the story continues. And the story continues. That yeah. that is how the movie feels. That's a very good uh, observation for sure that you just made. Yeah. And I think, too, because of how the last movie ends, you can't do the second movie and it's like six months later. Right. It's <laughs> right, like, no. no, 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 no. That was pretty urgent. We, it's got to be the next day, practically. Yeah. yeah. But then then we see that um, uh, Elise like grabs a metronome, which put it to my bulletin board of rule, things I like in movies. I love metronomes. Okay. <laughs> always put physical metronomes in movies if you can. That's a good rule of thumb. Okay. It always looks cool. And it's always a fun sound device. Um, but she uses the metronome, kind of hypnotizes him, makes him forget everything. Yes. And then we're at the present day. Really cool long shot of like a light in the distance and the camera just slowly dollying in. And it's um, oh yeah, the wife talking to an investigator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or a detective. R- Renee. Yeah. yeah, Renee. And I thought this was really cool because even though obviously a murder happened in the previous movie... I was I kind of like didn't even think about the fact that like the next movie would have to involve law enforcement. Right. Yeah. And I I like how they integrated it into this movie. I know you no, maybe didn't as mine much. Mine was a nitpicky thing. Yours I do think that they made the right call not having it be bogged down in the legal stuff. Yeah. Because it you you could, especially totally. if he is a suspect, it could just be bogged down in that. But it's I mean the movie the time period of which in which this takes over too is pretty short amount of time anyway. And it's like the less that they can spend on police stuff, probably the better because of what they want to get through. Yeah. So it was good. So then, um, you know, we see the family again and I like that the, the other son and then Ty Simpkins, I don't remember the character's names, Dalton. but they, they have, yeah, Dalton, Dalton. It, yes. Dalton is they, they have like a, yes. Yeah. <laughs> they have like a, uh, a can and string thing. Yeah. And they're like using them across their bed to talk to each other. And any anytime you're in a horror movie, when something like that is introduced, you're like, "Ooh, that's gonna be a fun scare later." I yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we see that things are starting to happen again. Uh huh. And Renee is walking around, and she's hearing this melody from the piano room and she's seeing like this baby thing being kicked around this like well, no not really not yet it's just so she hears piano playing and then when she goes in there it's ob- it's not playing anymore or the radio's on yeah um so it's like maybe she's kind of going insane i mean i never really thought that because we know how the last movie ended yeah but it you know maybe she's kind of losing it because she has not gotten over what just happened literally yesterday yeah. <laughs> um and then the baby thing yeah just it's really loud it's really jarring and uh-huh. that in that kind of sequence gets used a lot too um i would say just kind of sensory overload yeah hmm. and and so i i want to ask both of you this because i've been trying to think about it and i cannot figure it out um so this movie the the, the 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 previous movie, of course, has a lot of um, scares and whatnot. I like that James Wan does not rely on jump scares in either movie. Yeah. Um, but when you've done a horror movie and you make a sequel, the cat's out of the bag already. So my question to you both is, how do you put the cat back in the bag, or how do you find a new bag? That's a big question. 
It's a big question, but I think this movie pulls it off, and I'm uh, I'm kind of struggling to figure out like why this movie is still really scary and I, not just like here we go again. Well, so I something that I like that this movie attempted to do was um, the way that it introduced the idea that the first movie's really the second cat out of the bag, and we didn't know yep. there was already a cat out. Yep. Yeah. So Inception. so they've moved into. <laughs> Lorraine's house, which is kind of old and creepy looking already, almost yeah. almost saying, hey, maybe Josh didn't come from like, you know, all the up and up that we think he did and getting here. And uh, you said it early, earlier, it starts out as a haunted house thing. And now we're questioning like, is it just because this is Josh's creepy childhood home or is yeah. there more going on here? Is Lorraine involved? Like it, it's got you racing for questions so much that you're missing the old cat that's just like laying around waiting for something to happen or waiting for an opportunity for something to happen. So I guess the answer is they, they did it by, I guess, retroactively implying that there was a cat we didn't even know was there. And yeah. that just goes into Lee Winnell's wonderful writing. Oh, oh yeah. And, and yeah. figuring out how to connect dots that he didn't really know that he created because <laughs> yeah. they didn't know they were going to make a second movie right off the bat. Right. Um, so when it comes to making the second movie, they had, I mean, I'm curious what other ideas they had because this one, it seems like just perfect. Um, but also it, it is it's convoluted because of... Yeah how much they do rely on going back. And then not only that, when they get to like um, Josh's mom gets, they go to the abandoned hospital, mm -hmm. like they get into her past, which is still a little bit convoluted. And I don't mean convoluted in a bad way. It's just a lot of backstory yeah. Yeah. to explain basically both movies. Right. I just, I like the way they got around the issue of how do we talk about this first movie without like just cutting back to it a bunch and their answer was well we sandwich it yes. we do something that's happening yeah. after and something that happened before and that sandwiching allows you to recontextualize things because this is really recontextualization the movie yep <laughs> yeah yeah it it really does i would i really want to watch both of these movies again i, I yeah and knowing what happened because i I would genuinely, I probably should scour the internet to see if it exists already. I'd love to see a chronological cut of these yeah. cut together with including like uh, stuff that we will talk about that happens later cut into the first movie um, as it happened to see if like maybe, because maybe it doesn't stack up perfectly, but I would assume Lay was going back to his old script and going, okay, so I could add this in here and it's not going to upset anything from the first movie. I can add this in here. It won't upset anything. Just and yeah. Because not only do they do it with the first movie, but they do it to their own movie. It's happening. It's like stitching yeah. along the whole thing. Yeah, and I think a natural thing occurred based on how they did the script is so in the first movie, it's the demon, mm -hmm. like a really powerful demon that's trying to to get into our world. And in this next movie, it's pretty much a ghost, a yeah. powerful ghost. So it's like, they're not trying to make a bigger and better demon. They're using a yeah. ghost because they, we, you know, we know this person existed because we go to uh, the hospital where he stayed and then to his childhood home right. and we learn about him, which I think is what adds to, um, extra creepiness to this movie sure. because there's like tangible things to hold on to that happened that maybe has resulted in like why this ghost is the way it is, which I, 
so interesting. And, yeah. and I'll, I'll make one last quick point. I love that the only reason the sequel exists is because Josh went into the astral plane in the first movie, and that opened him up to be grabbed onto by, uh, what's the name of the ghost? Uh, uh, Parker Kane. Yeah. It, yeah. The only reason- or Crane, I think. Uh, crane, yeah. Or no, it is Kane. No, it's Crane. No. It's Crane. <laughs> It's crane. Um, I was like, am I thinking of Batman right Right. now? Like (laughs) the the only reason that he's able to be possessed is because he'd been cut off from the astral plane. Astral. Wow. Now I'm adding R's where they don't need to be. (laughs) He was cut off from the astral plane as a kid and only just then went back into it. And that was the only opportunity necessary. He's probably been haunted by the bride in black his whole life and didn't even know it Mm -hmm. because he was so cut off. I, like that's and and that's yeah. not that's not like front facing story. You do have to read in a little bit to get that, but yeah, I can't find a reason why I'm wrong for thinking that. Yeah, no, no, that's cool. I all all the all the for lack of a better term, world building in these two movies is really really cool. Yeah, yep. I I like it, and I think. I mean, I think they might do a little. I think they get into the Parker Crane stuff a little. Tiny, like like five minutes too much for me. I think. Oh, like really? It, I think it bogs down the movie just like two percent. See, I will argue that. But okay, with this okay because this. So we talked about the first movie. Uh, it is much more terrifying than horrifying. Meaning, like things are out of place and simply wrong. That's why it's scary. Like right. the, the the time period kid dancing and running around the house. Mm-hmm. Even mentioning that creeps me out Mm. um so in this movie you have you find out that this is a a disturbed man who killed for his mother even tried castrating himself and you go back to his childhood and learn that his mom believed he was a girl like Mm -hmm. forced him to be a girl to the point where it just like screwed up his psyche and it's just when you when you're transported back to those memories and all that you're just like this is wrong yeah these things are like out of place and then you're in their home and they move a wall and you see these bodies and the way that they're positioned, you're just like, that's wrong. <laughs> it's not, and it's just really good scary movie stuff because it's not her. I mean, it's horrific because people are, have been murdered of course, but it's not like super bloody. There's not like body parts or entrails lying around. No one's getting murdered one by one because we don't need right. it for right. this movie. Well, and, and like we discussed last week, you know, James Wan made this, yeah. The first movie as a response to like, I know I'm the saw guy, but I can do things that aren't violent. Look. Yeah. And he can. And he did it with this one too. Um okay, so let's let's dive back into where we're at in the movie. Yeah. So Renee um, Renee's investigating Lorraine's house. Things are uncomfortable. Yes. Can can on a string talking, which I agree, perfect setup. Also the payoff uh-huh. yeah, payoff for that's great later on too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then eventually, um, Lorraine, uh, Josh's mom, is seeing is saw the woman in white, mm-hmm. the the woman in the white dress, right, walking around the house. Well, and that's and, also in that part. Yeah. And then this, th- there were a couple of moments I felt kind of not embarrassed because I love when this happens in a movie, but a couple moments where I audibly was like, "Oh, <laughs> like like oh, that's cool. That's a thing. Like I oh." Yeah. Or or you know when you're sitting there and you're like, "Wait, no, wait a second. <laughs> in in a good way you're saying that. And and the first moment for me in this movie when the mo- and this is when this is when I was officially like on the train and ready for wherever the movie was going to take me. Yeah. Cuz you know, it's always you're always nervous, you know, it started with the weird overdub thing and the movie's good, but I'm like, "Okay, okay." But when um Lee Lee Winnell and Angus go down 
into the now deceased Elise. Um, Elise's. I cannot remember the character's okay. name. Elise's like seance room. Yeah. And they go in and they're like looking for stuff and they they want to see her again and they're just confused. They don't know what to do. They go into like videotapes and they see Josh Lambert, 1986. Mm-hmm. And they put it in and then I guess his character name is Specs, right? Yes. Yeah. Specs looks at it and pauses it and he goes, is that Josh in the background? Well, I don't know if they Oh, no, he doesn't it. say it. They, they just... They there's don't, just yeah yeah there's just a man standing behind josh as a young child yes uh and you didn't see that at the beginning of the movie when they showed that scene and right then and there that's when i was like okay i am so in do whatever you need to do because <laughs> this is cool yeah and um the payoff of that finding out that it is the older josh in the astral plane is like no freaking way yeah can't beat it is that <laughs> is that soon after when they call carl into the mix yes yes um and i guess i did well i mean we don't have to go through everything you've seen the movie i hope per listener and you're just listening to our thoughts about it um let's see yeah they they call the guy in and he he communicates with dice very cool yeah, great visual way to show it. And he he does the dice and like throws them on the ground or on the table and they'll spell words. Yes, mm-hmm. to whoever is communicating with him. And that's when, and I guess let's just side, let's go through kind of this part of the plot so that we can make it a little cleaner. I like true crime, so I decided to make a true crime podcast where I cover true crime stories year by year. And I hate true crime, so I decided to beef up my wife's true crime podcast by telling people... What was on TV during each one of those murders? Or who was winning that wrestling match during that awful rape? The result is American Timelines, where we cover strange, fascinating happenings. And sometimes silly stories, and even birthdays. Didn't you always wonder when Don Cheadle was born? No. Didn't you at least wonder what the number one song was when Don Cheadle was born? No. Well, what did you want to know? Just about murder. Sweet, sweet, grisly murder. Well, sometimes you talk about UFOs or ghost stories, too. Yes, those are cool, too. And who hasn't wondered what episode of 227 was on during a haunting? Everyone. Download and subscribe to American Timelines by History for Jerks. You can hear it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. It's better than it sounds. It really is. American Timelines by History for Jerks, the greatest podcast ever. This is when, you know, the ghost hunters and the mom Mm -hmm. um, and the dice man... (laughs) (laughs) are all trying to figure out what is the ghost that's haunting the house still, or the the people, rather. And so this is when we get into the Parker Crane and the mom stuff, which you touched on, Mm -hmm. but maybe you can dive into it a little bit more, and I can stop talking so much. Well, through the dice, they they learned something about uh, where Lorraine used to work, which was a hospital, so they just follow that, and they go to this abandoned hospital, which is like, well, that's creepy. (laughs) It's an abandoned hospital. Um, And... They are taken to a specific room through the dice. Whoever is leading them, who they believe to be Elise. She remembers a specific patient who was here. They find his file, which takes him to where he lived. Yeah. Your your run-of-the-mill investigation. (laughs) (laughs) And then when they're there, you know, bad stuff is happening. It's not a good place. Yeah. Um, 
and that's when they find the room with the the. It's the, like a girl's room, yeah. little girl's room. Oh, I yes, there's. That oh, room. but the room with all the bodies in it. Yes, yeah. and that was like. I mean, I don't want to be an MPAA kind of person, but I was like, this movie's PG thirteen. Like, this is freaky, man. Was and it, was I the only one that was expecting all the sheets to drop like in every other ghost movie? Yeah, yeah, I was surprised that they <laughs> like stand up already. We know you're yeah, zombies yeah, I was or like, something. Yeah, the fact that it's just dead bodies made it creepier, and I think. That's absolutely. That's probably Leigh Winnell and James Wan. These guys know horror, so they know yeah. they know these little moments that like your brain goes, "Oh, I've seen this in three other horror movies. I know exactly what's going to happen." And they go, "And eh, but do you? Do you really know?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they get me every time with that. That's why I get so excited when I see them teaming up together. I'm like, "Oh no, you're about to," because they don't. They're not commenting on horror. They're not, you know, like trying right. to take a magnifying glass to it, like the Last Jedi, which I love, by the way. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, they're just going, no, like we are going to do a good job, but we know the beats, you know, and therefore, uh, don't expect anything because that's where we're going to get you. And just, they're so good at that. Anyways, bodies in the well, bodies and, in the wall. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and speaking to them and, and, and James Wan as well, I, I, I just think, um, there is an earnestness behind their horror. Making oh yeah. Because I, I have not seen saw, but I've seen Conjuring and these two movies, and and Aquaman, really, if you include that. Yeah. There is such an earnestness where they are like, no, no, this isn't us making fun of it. Like you said, not commenting on it. Yeah. It's like, we just love this, and we want to tell a story. We want to contribute to the genre. I can uh, uh, I can highly recommend the first Saw. Um, the, the, if, if you're not into, like, gore porn, the subsequent sequels are that. All of them are. Yeah. The very first one is literally just like somebody winding up a a rubber band until just the snapping point. Like I think there's maybe three gory scenes in total, but even then they're done very, for lack of a better word, tastefully. Um, they're, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're harsh, but even like the infamous scene doesn't like focus in on it in a way that is difficult to watch it's really yeah. it's really about the story that they've strung in the background people forget like people talk about saw and like oh yeah it's that gory movie it's like there's a whole mystery in yeah. saw it's really good and it's uh, you know james wan and lay one the director writer duo that can do no wrong highly recommend you watch the first one you don't have to watch any of the others i promise the, stu- the story <laughs> yeah. concludes there and then they just yeah. get more convoluted well, and and we we made that that that's one of our we have like two or three series that are off limits, <laughs> and that's one of them. I'm like I don't want to watch nine Saw movies and like try and parse out this whole thing. But no, you can watch one and be th- done. You, <laughs> I promise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We love franchises, but not all of them work. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. So they're they're in there. That's when we discover the stuff you already said about the mom. Well, that's a little bit later, but I'm kind of trying to More tie that up sure. and then we can yeah. go back to Renee. Yeah. Um there is a scare in this movie that is quite the scare. The closet? Um the closet. Oh, is that with the can? Yeah. No, it's the it's the point and I I don't remember the exact spot where it happens, but where she is walking down the hallway and the baby stuff flies in the air. That's scary. That yeah. was so unexpected. Oh, yeah. And it's the it's the only like quote jump scare moment, but it doesn't play like a jump scare. 
Well, it, it just looked like you're like genuinely. I've heard people like who claim to have been possessed by something or that their house was. They describe things, and that is what happens. Like things are being thrown. No one was is throwing them, and Ugh. to like see it, it's like that's scary and people have said that's happened to them before, whether or not people believe it, you know, yeah. but it's just like, it, it is kind of it technically a little bit of a trope thing, but not in a movie sense, totally mm-hmm. because it's like a lot of people have claimed that to happen to them and that's happening to her. Yeah. And it's so sudden and it's just, yeah, it's scary. But, and, and there's so many shots of her just walking in the hallways and they're, it's cool because they're one shots where the camera's just tracking behind her and there's that great shot where it, it's going, and Jordan missed it when we were watching it, but the lady in white is sitting oh, yeah. in the other room, and then when you pass by the doorway and see through another doorway, she's not there anymore. Yeah, which they did in the first movie mm-hmm. with the kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And all of that stuff, I think, really, even if you don't notice it, I think you just know something's wrong. And I, I, I think this movie based on the the set of the house being a very tall house which means there's a lot of corners and walls Mm -hmm. so they get to do a lot of those fun things with it and what's funny about it like we keep talking about how there are just not really jump scares where someone's like not wanting to turn a corner yeah there are so many corners in this house yeah but they don't rely on interesting point but they still make the house creepy yeah they do gosh darn it (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah, so nice seance. There's a hospital. We will waste away if he doesn't kill them. Oh, we haven't talked about how Patrick Will Willem, Wilson. Patrick, I keep Patrick on saying Patrick Willems. Willems. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's a movie I'd watch. So bad on this. Yeah, yeah. I know. I I'm a big fan. I we we want him on this podcast so bad. We got to figure that out. Um, I know he's been on yours. I listened to that episode for sure. Oh. When I was going through and figuring out what what your guys's deal was originally, we we got real lucky back then. I think he it was just before his his uh, channel really popped off, and then he also had some downtime. And also, I pitched exactly the right movie for him. So Patrick Wilson is possessed. That's where we were. Yes. Yes. And and his body is decaying. Yes. And and so he's possessed by Parker Crane. Mm-hmm. And Parker Crane's mother is like visiting him mm-hmm. in weird um sequences and telling him that he needs to kill the family so that he can live. Mm-hmm. Um and first of all, shout out to the makeup team. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like a lot of times when p- actors are aged up, it looks atrocious. And I think they did an excellent job in this movie. Yeah, like, he looks really good. He looks good and really bad. Yep. And I, we love Patrick Wilson. Yeah. But in this movie, I, I am like astounded by how cool, like I love his acting choices where at the beginning of the movie, we already know that something is wrong. I, I didn't think, I, I, I was a little confused at the minutia of it, which they explain later. Mm. In, but, um... I love the choice to just like be just a little bit off. Mm-hmm. That it's more that than it is like him stomping around. I mean, later in the movie, of course, he gets crazy. Oh, but yeah. At the beginning, it's just like that smile's a little too wide, <laughs> and those eyes are a little too like buggy, buggy, and and um, he has. Which they definitely play to, and I think I think the fire extinguisher is a direct nod 
to the movie, but he does have some Jack Nicholson shining energy yeah. in this movie for sure. Oh, okay, yeah. And when he's breaking into the basement and he's using a fire extinguisher to break the door, I was like, I think they're kind of nodding at the movie because he uses an axe to break down the door. Yeah. I just got to say about Patrick Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, he is just such a national treasure that I don't think anyone has known about yet because he is so good and he is really handsome, but he's not like in everything, no. but he is in a lot of stuff like this. He, yeah. I just love his, he's got the best agent manager, whoever yeah. getting, and I know he's kind of a James Wan guy because of this and the conjuring, but like he is just in like, and weird, don't forget Orm from Aquaman. True. That too. I mean, he's a James Wan guy, so of course he's in <laughs> yeah. that, but like he, he's just in weird stuff. Like I think I talked about in the last episode, he's in, in the tall grass, which is on Netflix yeah. and he is weird in that movie. Yeah. And so, but in like perfect casting because you trust him because he's good looking. Right. You know, if you know what I mean, he's got a dad vibe. Yeah. Did you guys know? But he's so creepy. Did you guys know he's in the DCEU before Aquaman? We, oh, <laughs> we, yeah, discovered, we discovered that, that. <laughs> last week. And I am so confused by this. So he's the president and he's also Orm. Yep. Why did that happen? Honestly, I hope they dedicate a movie to that. I hope Orm becomes <laughs> president. That would be awesome. Well, you, you know, because. They have been talking about this Flashpoint movie for... I feel like I was born with them talking about how they were going to adapt Flashpoint, is how it feels at this point. And for the listener, Flashpoint is like an event in the DC comic books where it like opens up the world and there's the... um, oh, What's that thing that Flash makes? Oh, the... I don't the know. Sonic Force? The Speed Force. Speed Force. I only know that because of Comedy Bang Bang. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, because of Rudy North. Rudy North's character. Um, but, you know, so it opens up the multiverse. So they've been talking about this for years and years and years. And pretty much directly after Batman v Superman, they're like, Flash is coming out, and it's going to be the Flashpoint. So fans are like, yay, we're so excited. And it keeps getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And then now they're like, okay, so we've cast Ben Affleck in flashpoint we've cast michael keaton in flashpoint to like reprise batman and so they're like i think they are attempting to which theoretically i like this idea but i don't have faith in that universe sure um they're attempting to be like see val kilmer is in this world and also george clooney and so i i think if that happens they're trying to bring it all down with them is what yes, you're saying yes. well i think they're just trying to say like this <laughs> this has all occurred and these are all just different planes it's not like a new studio taking over this is like part of the big picture and i think if that happens i i would like to promise on this podcast not promise but predict that there is going to be a scene where it shows patrick wilson as the president and orm and like somehow explain that they're different universes perfect perfect <laughs> wow you really went through that well, to get to I, back to him it's just so wild to me because i i think that the whole reason they're trying to do this is because people don't like the dceu so i think they're just trying to be like see it makes sense that robert pattinson is batman now don't and it's cool don't you think so <laughs> I, I mean, I have my opinions on on that, oh, which you, is a series we have not covered. Oh, you mean yet, in real but. life? Yes, I do think it's cool. Robert Pattinson is Batman. I don't know. Oh, I, I don't yeah. know if the DCEU thinks it's cool, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a uh, 
yeah, it's a complicated universe. And I'm even as someone who pays attention to those things, I feel like in a movie or two, I'm not I'm not going to know like what is canon or not. I'm going to be confused. I think they want you to be confused <laughs> at this point. Don't you think? Yeah. If you're saying it's already so complicated and then they're going to make a Speed Force movie. Don't you think they just want to continue complicating it? Yeah. Yeah. That's coming from someone who has not seen any of them. <laughs> yeah. On purpose. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, and that's a good plug for the film Rescue because you guys have rescued several sh- uh, movies from the uh, uh, DCEU. Oh, boy, have we. Hey, <laughs> this sounds like it's my turn to plug things. So I run a podcast. It's uh, by writers, for writers, and for everyone. Honestly, it's for anybody. Uh, what we do is... We take movies that we saw and then thought it was going to be better than it was or wish something else had happened. We don't only talk about bad movies. And we pitch (laughs) in the second half of the podcast our version of what would have happened in that film. Um, You're correct. I think we've done, at this point, Wonder Woman, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Justice League, we're not going to do until the Zack Snyder c- cut comes out. We're we're holding off on that. Yes, one. yeah. When it's when, of course, it's all fixed by that seventy million extra. Exactly, a hundred percent. We won't touch Aquaman because I think it's perfect. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think what else is in the DCEU at this point. Uh, they didn't get that many movies out. Um, the Suicide I mean, Squad? Did the, you say? Oh that? yes, I I fixed Suicide Squad a while back. I think that's on the chopping block again, though, because my pitches cool. don't oh, count, nice. apparently. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so what we, we, we take a movie, we pitch a, a new, better, hour version of it. It's a lot of fun. You can check out Micah's episode with us d- talking about mm-hmm. It Chapter 2. Jordan, I'd love to have you on, or the both of you, or together, or yeah. separate, or however you want to do it, but uh, it's a good time. It's, it's, all, it's all about... Um, hypothetical creative writing. We're yeah. We're not here. I mean, while we do shit on some movies as they deserve, we're we're not here yeah. to say we're experts or anything. It's just all about having a little fun and thinking about how things could have been. Yeah, and I, it's it's a good show. I I want you to be on it, Jordan. But the problem is, like, if you see a bad movie, it might mean you have to watch that movie again. That's yeah. that's the tr- that's the only trouble with being a guest on Film Rescue because to think of which movies made me the most mad, right? <laughs> yeah. I didn't do things right, and I just had remembered, like when I when I found out about you guys, I was like, I saw it Chapter Two a few months ago. Oh, I could do that, and it's been long enough that I can watch it again with fresh eyes, and it's not like back to back, and this will be okay. Yeah. But <laughs> and all of that to say. We're back to Insidious Chapter Two. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um. So here's here here was another moment for me where I was like, "This is insane." Was when the piano is playing again, and you hear that it's the song that Renee wrote in the first movie. Mm-hmm. And when she plays it for her husband who is possessed, and she doesn't know that yet. Well, she suspects. She suspects. But uh, he's like. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what that is. I, what are you talking about? What is that? And she's like, "I wrote this song for you. You you remember? Oh yeah. I'm not worried about the song right now. <laughs> yeah. And the the probably that's another cool the, the weirdest like oh this definitely isn't him moment of all the things to say even if you're improving like well it's not the time to worry about the song it's like dude I <laughs> yeah I'd be if I was if I was 
Renee, I would have been like, no, you know what? I've got five minutes. Let's talk about this real quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and all of that, it's like, so so when I'm hearing it, I'm like, oh, that's that's weird that that song is playing, but I'm not connecting the dots at all. Yeah. But then let's talk about it. Wait, Guys, I want to talk about the the closet scene. Oh, okay. Talk about the it's closet just, scene. It was another good, terrifying moment. I can't remember at which point it happens in the movie, but in the middle part. Um, <laughs> Dalton wakes up to someone calling him. He thinks it's his brother because of the can on the string. And then it's coming from the closet, and you just know you're just filled with dread because <laughs> yeah. you see that string go into the closet. And it tightens at one point. And it tightens. I don't like that. And you're like, okay, when is the closet doors going to burst forth and this, you know, the lipstick demon's going to yeah. come back out or whatever? Yeah. No, they don't do that because they no. know you're expecting it. They just have a like a beat up girl run out of the closet into the corner of the room. And you're like, was oh, a, I didn't think I could feel more dread, but I am. Yeah. And she is just shivering. She's like bruised and just asking for help and like crying in the corner. And it's like, but they do huh? a cool sound thing where he hears it. You can see what she's saying. Yes. And he hears it like a second later through the can. Do you guys yes. watch with subtitles on? No. No. Oh, okay. Didn't. Yeah. So that that gets. Um, telegraphed in the subtitles. The subtitle pops up before you can even audibly hear anything, which actually added to it. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. That's creepy. But then, yeah, after that, he looks in front of him and it's just a ton of ghosts. Yeah. Um, That's how it ends. <laughs> <laughs> but then, I, I, I had forgotten... I think... I I just want to skip to when they're in the astral plane. Can we, can we do Absolutely. that? You know, they're... There's the struggle with Patrick Wilson with the old guy with the dice and and there's all that craziness. They they do a little humor in the movie again, which I always like. Um, and then they go down into the basement. The family's hiding and Patrick Wilson is like banging down the door. Yeah. And then the son from the first movie goes, I need to go back in to the astral plane. Yeah. And you're like, no, you're just a little boy. <laughs> and he goes back in and he's got to find his dad. Yeah. Because his dad is out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. And um, also, I think the isn't Lee Winnell in the astral plane as well. No, uh, it's and Carl. Also Carl, the old man, just Carl. Carl. Okay, um, yeah, Carl, and then Elise. We we see her again, which is a nice moment. It, oh wait, sorry, I just want to cut to this because I thought of it, and it's really quick. Yes, yes. They also did a very terrifying thing in this movie uh, earlier in the movie when the woman in the white dress is like harassing Renee and steals the baby. <laughs> and we don't see that baby for a very long time. Yeah. And I hated that. That was worrisome. Because she for passes sure. out and then it cuts to Lorraine for a long time. And then, of course, when it cuts back to her, Patrick Wilson's like, baby's in the crib. It's totally fine. Hated that <laughs> in such a good way. Okay, continue. So now let's talk about this. So, Patrick Wilson, the real Patrick Wilson, the real Josh has to now proceed to is it is it get the baby is that part of his huh? goal and then find his body what baby well cuz he goes back to the house from the first movie and he prevents that guy from stealing the baby so i, I i'm kind of forgetting okay, so the carl details, shows up in, but yes. in the further and patrick sees him and patrick's like you must be dead if i'm seeing you they're trying to find elise yes they are uh if i seth correct me if i'm wrong about this but i 
they are like it's revealed to them the house from the first movie because that kind of seems like how the further works a little bit it's revealed to you Mm -hmm. and he is seeing events from the first movie happening (laughs) yeah that he caused so he sees the creepy big guy lumbering around the house and you you know what's gonna happen because you've seen the first movie it's and it's, it's my understanding that the further communicates with moments. So to teach Patrick Wilson, yeah, or Patrick Wilson's character Josh and the audience what is happening, they say, "Well, the further is going to take you to a moment from the first movie to recontextualize it, so that you see other things were happening." And then when you realize that it's from the first movie and other things are happening, now you're on board. Now they can continue with their mission because they know they're going to be revisiting moments from the past. They may not know the context initially. They have to figure that out, you know, snappy quick as they get into it. But um, uh, that's why you need Carl and Josh there because Carl remembers things that Josh doesn't. Yes. And then when they do get into the house, that's when Elise is there. Exactly. Well, that she shows up to yeah. further help them and to explain you need to learn um, Parker Crane's memories to fight him. Yes. Yes. They need to attack the memories, memories of the old yeah. woman. Yeah. Um, I mean, the nope. woman in the white dress, I think, because they're trying to defeat her. But it's her. Parker Crane's memories because that's who he is possessed by. Right. Um, but But let's not gloss over. So in the first movie, there's that scene where they hear something downstairs banging on the door. And in this movie, it shows that Patrick Wilson is the one doing that. Yeah. And he breaks open the door and starts the security. That was my biggest scare from the first movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what's cool, like the Haunted House flip, is this movie says scares are not inherently evil. Yeah. Which is really cool. And so it's like, okay, when I watch Insidious 1 again, I wonder if I'll even be scared by that because I'll know that that's him trying to prevent that guy from stealing the baby in Insidious 1. Whoa. And I'm just like, what? Even if the movie sucked up to this point, which it does not, I would be like, oh, I love this. (laughs) This movie is the best. I love this. Because anything like this, you know, it's, it's kind of that same similar thing although a little different because they interact more specifically in this movie, but like in Endgame, when they go back and it says Battle of New York 2012 and you see all of our heroes interacting with what we'd already seen, you know, eight years before, I was like, fist pump. This is unbelievable. (laughs) I can't believe they're doing this. The title's unnecessary. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, And it's so crazy that it almost feels like when Lee Winnell wrote the first movie... He was like, if we ever got a chance to make a second one, I have an idea. And it's this, that it's all connected. Which is it's confusing so that, specific. that it was more, that it, from what I could tell, it seems more like Jason Blum was like, hey, we should make a sequel. And they're like, oh, okay. Because it really feels like it's planned. Mm. Yeah. It's so good. <sighs> it's cool. And you find out that Josh has been the one playing the piano. Yeah. So he's been the one like haunting the house besides the crazy woman. Yeah. He's been haunting the house to try and get help. Right. Which is also like, what? So half of the scares in this movie are <laughs> Patrick Wilson. Yeah. Like our hero. I, I, I'd like yeah. to coin the term benevolent scare. <laughs> oh, I like that. That's good. <laughs> I'm definitely using that. They're still spooky. It's, like I'm I, if if my, yeah. you know, a deceased relative of mine came back to my life and just started 
you know, messing around in my house, I'd probably be like, mm, this is still spooky. You know, I'm not enjoying this right, at all. Right. Oh, man. I just think it's a stroke of brilliance. And, and it's, it is weird to me that, so when I brought up the series to you, Seth, you were like, oh, man, chapter two is really cool. And and even a couple nights ago when uh, I said we were about to watch it, you said, oh, I really hope you guys like this movie because mm-hmm. I love this movie. Yeah. And to me, I- I'm just confused that this isn't like a movie that people talk about when they're talking about like weird twists and turns in movies. Because I think this is such a fantastic, it's not necessarily an Inception ending twist, but I feel like it's in a, in that category still where you, your mind is just kind of blown. Maybe it'll continue to age super well. I hope so. It just feels like, even though it was a financial success, it doesn't feel like it's had lasting power. I, I mean, I don't know if the Insidious series specifically is one that pops out to people. I know when, when someone asks me, they're like, hey, I want to get into horror. What do I watch? And I say, The Conjuring, Insidious 1 and 2, watch The First Sinister. Like, if, if you're trying to get into modern horror, I'm going to suggest, you know, yeah. the ones that are genuinely good, but also give you the same stuff as like maybe the lesser Blumhouse horrors that we get. Cause I want people to watch good movies. Yeah. So I think maybe, maybe the first one sits like maybe a rung above obscurity um, in, in that. And maybe it's just the title. Maybe insidious doesn't yeah. ring in people's ears the same way. Yeah. I don't, it, it could be a, it could be yeah. a lot of things, but I agree. This is one of the rare like originals and sequels where I say they're both great they're both equally great for different reasons. Like Toy Story 1 and 2. Um, yeah. They're both fantastic films that even if you watch them on their own, they still work. But watching them in tandem shows there was no decline in quality. And that's right. that's wild. But yeah, I agree. I, I think not enough people know that it it's not Insidious 2 to further the story. It's Insidious 2 to recontextualize the story in a way that we've never seen in horror before. Like imagine if um yeah. imagine if we revisited Friday the 13th, the first one where it turns out that uh 30-year-old spoilers, Jason Voorhees doesn't exist. <laughs> it's his mom killing people. What if we what if yeah. Friday the 13th 2 was recontextualizing that in that uh Jason Voorhees really was killing people, but it was just the last kill that it was his mom and setting all that up and how different of a movie that would feel you know this this is an avenue that's not i I mean i may be wrong i would might have to do a little more research but the avenue of let's let's redo the first one without actually touching the source material much doesn't happen a lot and that's what makes it yeah that's and that's that's why i i i could have said it's great to you when i was describing it but i said it's cool because it really is it's the same thing but different and not not yeah. samey at all. Besides, you know, the retur- like it feels like the same universe, the same crew, it's shot very similarly. Like all of that's the same, but the the plot, the story, the character beats, all of that's different. And that's what really excited me when I got what the movie was. Yeah. What do you like The Conjuring more? I, I do. I think The Conjuring is my favorite horror movie of the twenty I guess tens is what that would count as. Um, only because it is, it's, it's all my favorite songs, but being played by the original bands, you know what I mean? Like I'm, 
it, mm. it's it's giving me everything that I want in really really fun ways. And uh, again, it's James Wan, and he gets what he's doing. The the the, the yeah. scares that yeah. I know are coming still work because they're so correctly executed but then again like yeah. I, I think that only happens because they knew what they were they undid it in insidious one first then they did it for real to say not only can we do this the opposite but we can do it the same but better and then to come back with this movie and go also we can do something totally different <laughs> they they triple yeah. prove themselves that i would watch any horror movie these guys make and when you guys watch the invisible man you're going to be blown away at all the lessons they've learned over these movies to hit that one and just hit the note perfectly it is it is oh. it is the the live aid queen performance of Leigh Whannell <laughs> it is it, it, and it really is that it is like oh that's crazy that's it, awesome it's, it's like they've been been um using sandpaper at different grits as they go they started with Saul with this like yeah. really gritty sandpaper and by the time they get to this movie they're on like you know the the second uh lightest coarseness and then you hit invisible man it's like oh this is silky smooth holy shit <laughs> wow yeah, wow Jeez really Louise. raising those expectations. If, if you're disappointed, I will tweet it that I was wrong. I I will do that. <laughs> but I cannot express enough how much greatness there is in that movie. That's awesome. Cool. I think I I really like The Conjuring, but it's always a movie that I kind of forget mm. a lot of the stuff that goes on mm -hmm. in it. And Insidious, I think, just left more of an impression on me than The Conjuring. Sure. But I, I do, because I remember... Yeah. When we watched the last time we watched it was your first time and it was my second time. And I was like, Yeah, it's good. And then we watched it and I'm like, Oh no, that's really good. And yeah. then since then it's been a couple of years and it's like, Yeah, the movie's good. <laughs> yeah. I, I just need to watch I it. I like again. it. Um yeah, it'd be it'd be fun to watch again. Um but I Insidious scratches more of an itch for sure. me. I think I think because I really like how not in, and I'm not knocking Stranger Things, but not in a Stranger Things kind of way. It is, it is kind of throwbacky in a lot of what it okay. does. Like it, it just feels so much. You know, it's very close to how the Poltergeist story is. Yeah, and I like the further and how they didn't go special effects heavy and stuff. Yeah, and it's just like, I like that this is almost an homage, but it is a modern movie, mm -hmm. and they're not trying to be like remember all the feelings you used to have on this subject yeah they're just and i like stranger things again i'm not knocking the show but it yeah. it can have that feeling to it where it's not necessarily breaking new ground yeah Whereas totally i feel like insidious kind of is without without falling to those like nostalgia -y tracks can you can you guys imagine the what the exact 80s version of this would be if insidious was a reboot well, I mean, Poltergeist, basically. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's where I'm heading with it. Is like I, I feel like they're to, to what you're saying. They're they're touching on things that we saw through the '80s that I could almost in my mind sum up the like clunkier, more you know, like probably R-rated. You know, they would have gone R-rated back then. Um, yeah. Th yeah, that version of stuff. Even to the point of it, uh, specifically the first one, the um, uh, tiptoe through the tulips song. It's played. It's right. played to make the 50s sound creepy, whereas in, in the yeah. 80s, it would have been played to sound nostalgic. So that would have been like the, the comfort song 
in the 80s version yeah. yeah and then it got recontextualized in the first one to be creepy without even having a first film to go off of like it's an original ip right. i think that yeah i agree that's what's so cool about it it feels like they're rebooting something that doesn't exist they're like rebooting they're <laughs> yeah. rebooting yeah, I like 80s that. vhs yeah. memories you know what i mean just like the little snippets that play in your head in, in your dreams is they like stitch them together and then rebooted that into something cohesive it's awesome yeah, and and I will say with both of these movies, um, one one thing I lo- both simultaneously love and hate about horror movies is when it is scary enough that when you're sleeping and you're in the in between moments when you're turning over and you're kind of awake and you're just kind of scared. That was you. And and yeah, that keeps happening where I keep on <laughs> waking up and I'm just like, oh, one of those like astral plane beings is probably in our room right now. Are you gonna make it through the series, Micah? I don't know, and it's it's kind of cool though because the movie, like when when we finish both the movies, I'm like, yeah, that was cool, whatever. And then when it gets, you know, when I go to bed, then the movie starts playing again, and I'm like, oh, maybe that movie was a lot scarier than I thought it was. Yeah, which is also like I'm losing sleep, so that sucks. But I'm also happy that the movie is that good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so we're in the further. We they go back to Josh's memories, and you find out that he was the guy in the mm-hmm. VHS tape. You find out that he was the one communicating, and younger Josh was like, "Let me show you." Yeah, to go to the and memories. Carl's the one that opens the door, so it didn't just open by itself like it does in the opening right. scene. Yeah, which come on, I think, I think if he, they, they're just slam dunking at this point. I think if in the so in the beginning when that door opens by itself and it's like ooh creepy, and I think that if now that they're explaining it uh-huh. and that's you see it's patrick wilson even if carl didn't even open the door it's like this is already so cool but the fact that yeah. he did open the door <laughs> yeah. you're like they made it cooler i didn't know they could do that but tiny touch and it's great and then we have the best line delivery in the movie where elise turns and she goes so that's why you did that <laughs> <laughs> just short of looking at the camera and winking yeah which it's like, okay, if you're going to add that line, then you could have made that first scene a lot shorter with less dialogue <laughs> because like, I think that that nails it home. Yeah. <laughs> or you could just cut the line. Um, yeah. But we go through all that. Um, then we go to, like, Patrick Wilson attacks the, I'm, I'm losing oh, so my so now they're in Parker Crane's home. Yes. They get to his bedroom. Yes. And you see a memory. I think it's this part of the mom uh with with a picture that parker had drawn drone he uh drew (laughs) yeah yeah um and he signed it his name and she is uh reprimanding him because that parker is not his name um and then that's i think that's when she sees all all of them in his room and then elise and carl are locked out of the room and it's just patrick and that's when all the bodies come back with all the sheets and he's trying to find the woman Yeah. yeah finds her and then she is, they're fighting, sure. Right. And Elise and Carl are trying to get back into the room. Um, Parker shows up in the hallway. And Elise is like, isn't she like asking him, like, please help us? Mm-hmm. Like, like let yes. this go yes. or something like that? Something and then like I don't that. remember how they like defeat her. Well, uh, Elise picks up the uh, rocking horse 
as yes. uh, Josh is going to hit oh, yeah. uh, Renee with the hammer, and she gets the she gets the mom yes. knocked out. So, so the running thing through this is there's the Black Bride, which is Parker Crane dressed up as a uh, in his like I guess serial killer garb because he's essentially a serial killer. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then there's the the woman in white, which is his mother, and they're two separate ghosts that we kind of think are the same ghost until we find out that it's it's him and his mother were both so malevolent that they stuck around and both latched on to Josh and it's and it's yeah. really the the woman in white that is going for Josh's body more than Parker Crane because he's subservient to his yes. mother and yeah, yeah, because they they do tell say that too earlier on in the movie when they're investigating and learning that the mom made him do exactly. all these things. Yeah, thank you for that explanation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I wanted because and it confused me in theaters too because I was like I thought it was a like an artistic choice to be like throughout the movie her dress is getting darker to show that she's not a benevolent ghost she's a an evil ghost but oh but yeah really it's it's and and. Like to get into like the you know the occult and wedding stuff, a white dress indicates that someone was pure when they were married, and a black dress right. represents death. And if you were to wear a black dress at a wedding, it would imply a lot of bad things about you. And so it, yeah. it's it is and it isn't what I thought it was. I just I didn't realize it was two ghosts initially. Yeah, and I think yeah, I think I was confused by that too. You might have cleared up a few things. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah. So they defeat her. They defeat them because they they defeat them both basically. Yeah, but now they have to get back. Still. Yeah, they have to get back. And that's when Dalton finds them. Yes, and and I like how he has the string like attached yep. to him. Yep. Yeah. So that I mean that's smart and and he's and they get everybody back and everything's hunky dory. <laughs> yeah. And uh, really like that Renee is not convinced that it's him for a few moments. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he, <laughs> which is so natural. Yeah. And then Tucker busts through the yeah. wall, ready to fight after he was tranquilized. Yes, <laughs> yes. Pro yes, probably yes. the funniest beat after a very serious moment. Like it was, it was oh, definitely yeah. like it was the it was the it's all clear to unclench your butthole now. Everything's good. You're, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're laughing. Everything's fine. Definitely, right. definitely. And then um, everything, yeah, everything is fine. And then they're able to wipe their memories, kind of restart. I I like that. You know, that's kind of like a. That can that kind of idea can be a little bit of a like script crutch, but since the story's over, and especially you saying that these characters are not continued in the next two movies, mm -hmm. um, I think that 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 is it's nice because you're like okay, that family gets to like live now. Well, let let, let me and, qualify. I don't know if they're in the uh, the key movie. I I've not seen that one, so true. I don't know if they come back. But yeah, I don't think they are because I was I kind of glanced over the cast list. If they are, it's like cameo sure. status. So you know? um, the um, the characters that come back in three are a slightly younger Elise and Specs and Tucker, and it's the formation of their like Ghostbusters team. Cool. Oh, that's cool. that sounds it, fun. It's, it's, <laughs> and it doesn't happen until yeah. like the last 10 minutes. And so it's like, oh shit, that's how these guys got together. This is really fun. <laughs> that's cool. Cool. I like oh, man. that. I do really like... Uh, oh, Tucker has an 80s mullet. It is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Can't wait to see that. Um, but yeah, I, I, the, the way this movie ends the last scene is so good. Um, because it, it... So it's... Specs and um, Angus, they show up to a house. Um, 
and they're basically they're continuing their work and Elise is helping them uh mm-hmm. like as, on her as a ghost let's just yeah, say from yeah. the grave um and from the grave yeah and i just love that they've like figured out how to do that that she is still able to help people yeah, yeah that's and cool that she saw something so terrifying that the, we couldn't even see it yeah kind of ending i liked that a lot yeah and i i think yeah i think this has been kind of a we've we've jumped around more than we usually do but my argument for you listener is <laughs> that we are going to come out with next week's episode where we we go back into this podcast and we ex- we recontextualize no. and re-edit and no have fun doing that wow <laughs> good luck <laughs> i'll, I'll meta, be a ghost on that one <laughs> yeah and uh, i'm not gonna do that <laughs> but um yeah i think this movie rules i i'm very pleasantly surprised about the series um i i mean i didn't think it was gonna be bad but i kind of assumed that I didn't think I would like it as much as I liked it. I think mm-hmm. I would be like, yeah, I like that at a distance. But yeah. I'm like, if I was somewhere and someone's like, what horror movie should we watch? I'd be like, throw on Insidious. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Pop the popcorn. Yep. So that's how I feel about the movie. What do you guys feel about? I love it. <laughs> that's about it. Yeah. Same wow. low key, probably one of the best hor- straight horror sequels ever. I'll, let me qualify because yep. everyone gets up my butt about this when I, so, okay. <laughs> I love alien. I only like aliens because alien sure. is a horror movie and aliens is an action movie that has a couple scary moments like all action movies do. They just happen to contain right. xenomorphs and, you know, goopy shit. So <laughs> when I say that people are like, Oh y- y- so you don't think it's the best horror sequel of all time? And I'm like, I don't. I think it's a great sequel. Uh, I don't think it's the best horror sequel of all time. I would put Insidious 2 above, as far as like maintaining and continuing and being what the first movie was, Insidious 2 is the superior horror sequel. However, if there was a the further action movie that delivered in the way Aliens delivered, Insidious's, if you will, uh, sure. I would, I would secede my point, but I, f- I hate yeah. that I have to get so specific about this kind of stuff. <laughs> but here we are. Well, what they, sh- what they should do is they should get, they should get Bruce Campbell for Insidious Five, and he needs to go into the further and kick some ass. Honestly, I would sure. watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't? We, we just watched Evil Dead Two, so I mean, you know, you know. That's where my you know at. you know what I really want for Insidious Five, uh, for for no for no connected reason at all. I just want Sam Neill to appear as like a like a bearded priestly father figure to to yeah. exercise some kind of further demon, but then he gets yanked into the further. I would want, and but he's New Zealand accent the whole time. He's he's like full on Curse. Sam Neill. Yeah, that yeah. that is Insidious Five. Whatever that that's the seed. Run with the story as you will. But the seed is Sam Neill is sucked Sam into the Neil. further. Awesome. I'll take it. Well, and and I think you're bringing awareness to one of the many problems in Hollywood is that Sam Neill is not in every exactly, movie. and we are. <laughs> That is part of what this podcast is about. That is a side mission, is that we can get him into every movie. I, I can't think of a, of a movie, especially franchises, that would do poorly for having him in it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Sam Neill's a Jedi? Perfect. I'm here for it. 
Oh yeah, he and would. That's fit. actually insane that he was not in any of the. I new know, movies, as far as I'm concerned. I, yeah, that's weird. Um, now that yeah. he. I mean, he would have been great in Rogue One. Probably, sure. I feel like, especially because because then it's like you don't have to you don't have to get too worried if people, for some reason, are not receptive to a character that's created in Star Wars, which of course never, never happens. Never, no, no. The, the fans never get mad about like specific characters and force them to get off social media and send them hate messages and stuff like that. That does. Not I'm happen so with glad Star Wars. we live on an Earth where that has never happened. <laughs> yeah it's 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 great it's great everyone's mental health who has acted in star wars is like tip top because people always treat them so they're well. definitely and I, i'm so, so happy about that. The, just the idea of an eight page vogue article talking about how disney doesn't know how to deal with race i'm so glad that doesn't exist in our world you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I forgot about the that the newest entry in the the Star Wars the the thing I love as a kid that I still love but the the, the society around it makes it hard to love. <laughs> can I can I drop a hard f word on this show? I, I did. Oh okay. oh yeah yeah. So you're good. The, I I call it the continuing adventures of the Disney fucked up a thon. Um, <laughs> and they don't have to answer for it ever. So that it'll just keep happening. But here we are yeah uh well and and i do i bring this i say this a lot i i am not a person that thinks that the movies are like the new movies are bad um necessarily there's just there's just things that that bother me about it's more the the fan culture around star wars that i have a hard time uh being a part of anymore It's more like, oh no, yeah, let's watch Force Awakens and just forget about anything else besides just the movie. <laughs> yeah, and just yeah. enjoy the movie because it's like too complicated to get into every other thing about <laughs> right. it. It right. seems, but um, yeah. So that's Insidious too. <laughs> yeah, I would like to know Seth because it's October and we're doing a spooky yeah, franchise. Okay. What okay. is your favorite favorite horror movie of all time? Ooh, um, good question. Um, I, so the I have a hard time qualifying this because to me, horror is whatever scares me. Which like an action movie can scare me if I'm scared for the life of the yeah. the, the 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 character, or a thriller can scare me if there's like things that are really applying to me that I'm like, oh shit, this could happen to me. Horror like. As a as as a straight genre, the things that like really skeeve me out, I guess I I'm still stuck in the mockumentary format. Um, I, I know a lot of people moved on from it. I love it. Uh, uh-huh. I, but as far as like scares per minute, or, or no, let, let's not do scares per minute. Let's do things that like made me made me <laughs> like cover my eyes or ears in the theater as an adult. Um, as above, so below. Have, have, oh, well, I've heard so of that. So it is. It is, is a. That? It's Hang a it found footage horror movie that has no ghosts and no demons in it. Um, it's a found footage horror movie about alchemy, and they basic they oh. basically go through Dante's nine levels of hell, um, with a. Oh, that sounds really with, cool. It's with they do it with a camera, and it happens under the catacombs of Paris. So, yes, I've heard of this movie, and I've been meaning to watch I'm it. I'm very claustrophobic, and 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's not good for me. Ninety percent of the movie happens in very cramped tunnels, but there's specifically one scene where characters are like, uh, like shimmying through a shaft, like <gasps> like literally inches Ooh. at a time. On Netflix, and it starts to cave in on them, and like I. Ooh. Oh, no, no, I no. walked out of the theater. Like I was like, nope, I'm so there right now that I can't watch the images happening right now. <laughs> I, I've only ever seen the scene on my phone because that was small enough for me to go, okay, I just need to know what happens, but also not get too invested because even on a TV screen, it just, whoo. So, and it's it's good. It's like, it's really good overall. Um, it's it's really well thought out. The so the beginning's a little clunky, but as are all you yeah. know, mockumentary style things. But yeah, I I, yeah. I think that's right. up there with my like it's straight horror. Oh man, they go into some, and well, it's got great visuals. It 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 really. I think that was the movie that stretched the found footage to the point of like you couldn't do any more. That's kind of the peak, and it really. Cool. It okay. kind of was the end of found footage too. So, uh, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's Conjuring's the best of the 2010s for me as far as like things that scared me and and how well it was done. But I think I respect it more than it scares me. Uh, as above, so below. Yeah. Oh boy, you put that on the TV, I'm gonna be half watching. Okay. <laughs> cool. cool. Well, I'm glad it was a movie that I haven't seen. In, well, what's, to watch what's your favorite horror movie, yeah. Jordan? Me? I, I already know. Um. Well, I guess if. So, favorite is The Shining. It's one of my favorite movies in general. Yeah. Um, but it's pretty undeniable. Yeah. If we're gonna go for like a movie that scared me the most, it would be two movies. One is Hereditary. That uh. movie scared me so bad, and by the time we were done, I was like, I don't think I should have watched that. And then we watched. I watched Mother. Uh, oh yeah. A couple years ago, and just talking about it makes gives me anxiety. Mm. Because we could, we were probably minutes away from the end and I couldn't finish it. I was like yeah. sobbing from that movie. And I think it was more of a um, emotional overload and depression sure. feeling because that movie is, that's what he is trying to do is, you know, there's a mo part in the movie where she's just walking around the house, circles in the house and things are just getting worse and worse and worse. And you were basically experiencing human sin. Yeah for within a very short time span and it is way too much to <laughs> yeah. to look at and to feel and experience and i just couldn't yeah. do it and i probably will never fit it we we just looked up how it ended and i'm like cool I'm, i'll never have yeah, to watch I, that last i think scene. we had like two minutes left yeah like, literally i couldn't two do minutes. it <laughs> i think that's I okay like an hour before i probably had that feeling in my gut of like maybe we should turn this off yeah and then we didn't yeah, we probably should. That have. is definitely, um, definitely up there with like some of the, well, and something uh, as you guys go through horror month, something to examine in horror movies is if it's drama first and then scares, it's going to be better because you're going to care more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, and that's why Hereditary. Exactly. Is so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so th really, that, really that definitely falls into that realm of like w when I'm, when I'm mentioning things that like, again, if I respect, usually if I respect a movie, I, I will likely love it. There are a few movies, movies I respect that I don't love, but, um, that definitely yeah. falls into that realm of, I respect this movie so much for what it was trying to do. Um, shutter with T's, not D's because of the Amazon streaming thing. Um, shutter is a uh, Japanese or Korean, I forget, um, horror movie that like might be my 
like number two by a hair. I don't. Oh, I don't okay. know if you guys have seen it because no, um, we haven't. The it's a horror movie that starts out as a ghost story, and then if I tell you where it ends up, it will ruin it because sure. it's it's an examination of horrifying things. So it kind of works backwards and that like the best scares are at the beginning. And then by the end, you're like, oh, that's horrifying. But for a totally different reason, oh. it is, oh yeah. boy, worth the watch. Um, is is that the movie? Because I remember a, a Patrick Willems video, um, Movies Within Movies. Is that the movie where there is a scene where in order to figure out what's happening to them, they watch a movie. And in that movie, the characters watch a movie to discover what happens. Yeah. Yes. That, that yes. Movie? And no to your question. So, so okay. there's an American remake of shutter that happens in Japan where they watch a Japanese, basically the uh, remake of the Japanese version of shutter to figure out what's happening to them. Because the American remake is, it's fine. Like, from what I recall, it's, like, it's pretty scary, but it's, like, very American. The Japanese version that they're referencing to is, like, it's probably the most direct relation to a reboot that has ever happened. Because they go, oh, yeah, I guess this happened to somebody else. So is this a sequel? Is it not? I don't know. But, yes, to what you're saying, it is true from a certain point of view. Okay, cool. Well? Well, what's yours, Micah? Well, we're here. okay, yes. So mine is it's it's. I think some people don't consider it horror, but it's got horror on the IMDb tagline. It's Psycho, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Why would people not think that's horror? I think because it's more. They think it's more like a murder mystery thriller. Oh, okay. Hmm. But that's my favorite by like a mile. I love that movie so much. Yeah. Have you seen the um, Gus Van Sant uh, redo? <laughs> Well, so I love it so much that I have avoided anything else that has to Good. do. I've not seen any of the sequels or the Gus Van Sant. Um, I, numbers, th- I think it's three and four. The ones that they got the original guy to come back for, I think he directed four, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think you're um, right. Yeah. Those, yeah. those two are pretty okay, but they're they're like they're okay <laughs> in that if you need a psycho itch scratch, it's not going to ruin the first one for you. Um, the second right. one is not great and the remake or the shot for shot, whatever, do not, y- yeah. you will, you will never, you will never thank me less than if you watch that <laughs> and say, yeah, I should have not watched that. Yeah. It's, it's just, uh, Psycho is one of the, one of those movies that like a single adjustment to the movie makes it worse because it is so incredibly yeah. perfect. And so, to me, like, Psycho's another series that's on our... I mean, I guess I would do it if patrons wanted us to do it. But Psycho's on our, like, we won't cover list because I refuse to associate sure. with it. Besides the movie. I just love that movie so much. <laughs> it's so good. And it's so... It is still pretty scary. Every time I watch it, it gets under yeah. my skin. Yeah. So, that's my favorite. Um, Seth. Yes. Do you have anything to plug? Absolutely. Um, since we're at the end of the podcast, and if you stuck around this long, this might be one of the longer podcasts on this channel that you've listened to. Whoa, that yeah. happens. We're gonna have to pay lips in a little I extra. I talk a lot. <laughs> I'm sorry. It is my thing. No, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Um, so if you're here, let me plug all the stuff that we do. So I run a company called Montressor Media. We do a lot of things. Uh, 
specifically, currently we've been working on short films and podcasts. If you'd like to check out the podcast that we run, we run a few of them. I run a show called The Film Rescue Show. It is the ship that launched a thousand podcasts in that everyone that has come on has eventually either joined the Discord, become a host, or is now currently working on a show with us uh, to some degree. It's a lot of fun. We take movies that we enjoyed or didn't enjoy, but imagined them going differently and then pitch that different version. Um, there's a spinoff from that that is very similar to this show called Palette Cleanser, where we just pick movies that we like at random. There's no rhyme or reason. We just say, here's a movie I like. I want you guys to watch it. Everyone watches it, and then we discuss it. Um, that one is kind of a spinoff from Film Rescue, but not really because it's really its own beast and it's a lot of fun. Uh, we have a third show called Split the Difference, where we take a movie and then we take its reboot and we watch them back to back and then compare and contrast them. Um, the that's a good one. That's it, a good idea. The, the, it, Jesse brought the idea to me. I immediately greenlit it because I was like, "This sounds fun." We we made it twice a month, so it's not coming out too often. Because again, you have to watch two movies to. Uh, and yeah. take notes and have right. thoughts and right. you know all of that. So that one's a little less often, but it is a ton of fun. We have, I think, probably ten episodes out of this that one at this point. Um, it is we and shockingly, like you guys said, not every reboot or sequel is bad. I think about half of our episodes we land on. Hey, the reboot was better. They did it better the second time. <laughs> it happens. Um, well, I it's it's funny because. And and I'm sure that this goes into the same thing as the reboot, but I think that 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 phrase like sequels are never better than the originals. I think it's just something people say to say, but they're not necessarily exploring well, that. And, and it's it's true to a degree because that is kind of the Hollywood default is like we have nothing reboot something. Right. But even then, sometimes the just the knee jerk reboots turn out really really good. Um, that happens. Like a a, a, re- a reboot by name shouldn't. D- specifically mean it's going to be bad it really depends on the people that are on board how much they like the original how much they like the the story sometimes that's the only important part is like do you like the story um yeah it's it it's turned into probably one of our more nuanced and unique shows for that reason cool Um, we also have another show called that weird ass game where we this is our once a month show where we break down a ill-forgotten, nostalgic, or otherwise video game that just stuck out in our minds as being real real weird when we played it. Um, <laughs> that, okay. it's, it that one's been a trip. We've gone all the way from current gens all the way back to, I think, uh, Super Nintendo at this point. Um, <laughs> that one's a, a ton of fun. Again, it only comes out once a month because I have to play a whole game to be able to do it. Um, then our last one is called The Gavel, that one is if you're into tabletop RPGs, uh, D20 dice rolling games, RPGs in general. This is the the love child of Law and Order and D and D. It is about it, it is cool. about the crimes in a fantasy world and how they are punished in the court system. Um, <laughs> I'm not on that one at all. I only produce it. It is uh, probably our our highest um, 
quality of shows because it has music and sound effects and it is uh, all played up for the drama. It's basically a radio drama, if you're familiar with those. Cool. It is, yeah. Uh, yeah. It is a lot of fun. I think we're going to be ending that one soon and getting into a different RPG. But um, yeah, those are those are our, show- our shows. And if you want to support us in what we do, we have a single dollar tier on our Patreon just to get early access to all of this stuff, unreleased stuff, extended episodes where I don't edit everything out in case you want to hear all the funnies that happened in the background. Uh, I'm sure a few of those are going to get cut out of this episode, but that's just the money ball of this whole thing. Um, you can check all of that out at patreon.com slash Media, and I'm done. Okay. Quite the plug. <laughs> I love it. That's all great Thank you. stuff. Yeah. Um, so, and, um, yeah, so that's all we have for you today. Next week, we're doing Insidious Chapter 3, and we're almost to Halloween, so um, that means our special Halloween episode is going to be coming out, which, as you know from last week, is Mortal Engines. <laughs> and then next, uh, uh, this month on Patreon, Micah McCaw, or www.patreon.com slash Micah McCaw, we're covering Monsters, Inc., So thank you for listening. Thank you. We'll see you next time.